Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler. And this week, I sat down with the Trade Desk's UK Vice President, Phil Duffield, to talk Unified ID 2.0. It would be very easy with something like UID to overcomplicate the details, as so often is the case in digital advertising. But Phil's style is refreshingly straightforward. And he's very honest too, making the point that we, as an industry, probably haven't done a great job so far on data and privacy. We talk about how UID 2.0 isn't specifically a trade desk initiative and how, of course, it won't be the only post-cookie solution. I get Phil's take on what an open and thriving internet looks like, as well as getting fast-tracked on exactly what hashed and salted IDs entail. I started by asking Phil for the world's most straightforward explainer of Universal ID 2.0. I'll try and explain it as I do to my friends down the pub. (laughs) Not that I talk about UID down the pub too often, to be honest. So I suppose... At the base, right, the open internet is where everyone accesses free content and news. And that is the crux of what the trade desk wants to protect, right, Mm. is the open internet. So UID is a piece of technology that can help make that happen. I do want to be upfront as well and clear that UID is not a trade desk product. I think that's important. Mm. We don't own it. We don't monetize it. The codes on GitHub is for the industry, and that's, you know, where we want to start from. Mm. But I think that's important to kind of caveat at the beginning is not something that the trade desk will be monetizing. So UID is a piece of technology that will basically keep the internet free and open for everyone and will help keep the internet free and open for everyone. So you'll be asked for your email address once on your first visit to a website mm-hmm. and you'll be asked for consent to use it. Your email will then be totally anonymized. It will be hashed and salted, apparently, which is new words that I've learned over Yes, this is a new one. Yeah, Mm. James. So completely encrypted. So into a form of code where you can't Mm. break and you will have control and visibility over all your data while still enabling websites and et cetera, apps, et cetera, to make money from relevant Mm. advertising. So you'll continue to get free access, which is exactly Mm -hmm. what consumers want, free access to content without having to provide an email address every time you visit. Or like you won't have to sign up to log into different websites and pay mm. a fee, right? Your idea is about creating and keeping the internet free and open. Just as you say, you know, you won't have to, you know, give your email address every time you go to a site. It's almost like that unintended consequence of what, what we're doing around the cookie notice in that we tried to create something that allowed you to give your consent. But what we created, I doubt anyone actually reads on every website you go on you just say yes because I want to get to the content. It's sort of this weird, like, great idea, but the unintended yeah. consequence now is that people don't actually read the thing they should around consent. Is So so this is yeah, a great 100%. idea that you don't have to sort of keep doing it and you just make that whole experience a bit better. If we ask ourselves as an industry, have we done a great job in privacy and identity and mm. communicating with consumers about, you know, what are we doing with data and why it's so important for... Yeah you know, creating a better advertising experience online. We haven't done a great job of that. As an industry, we can say we haven't done a great job of that. And I think with UID, it's about being better communicating what we're doing with people's data and why it's so important. Mm. So it creates a much more enjoyable advertising experience for them as a consumer. But it's also keeping the internet thriving and open so they can enjoy everything and the content that they read and enjoy every day 
they'll be able to do that. And I think that's really important because, you know, when I talk, or, or don't talk to my mates down the pub, but when I speak to my parents and my family, right, they don't understand the mm. whole advertising content piece, right? For them, they're always like, oh, you're that guy who's responsible for all those video ads and all those. And I said, yeah, of course, but it's more important than that because you're enjoying all that free content because of what we do. And I think that's a really important part to UID is that it goes some way into helping educate consumers of the benefits of data sharing, as mm. well as giving them tools to set their preferences and to make their own decisions. So we're putting the power back in the hands of the consumer, yeah, yeah. saying you control it. You tell us what you want to see, what you enjoy, what sort of advertising you want to receive. Mm. And UID can help fuel that. But I think it's, it's, it's such a good point on understanding the value exchange gets talked about a lot but yeah if the internet has always been free and you don't know Mm -hmm. it any other way it's a bit like if netflix suddenly became free but with ads yeah like oh god you know you'd really realize how what the subscription did before but because we've never really had that with the internet it's always been free it's slightly taken for granted that maybe you don't add together that this is actually allowing journalists to go and report on really dangerous stuff in places, you know, kind of without it, it doesn't work. And I remember us doing a piece of research almost two years ago, Mm -hmm. a consumer facing piece of research where we asked people, you know, what are the things that annoy you most about the online ad experience? Slightly thinking, oh shit, it is going to be ads. Ads was actually at the bottom. The top thing was cookie notices and all that kind of thing. So actually people don't mind the ads when they're relevant and they're not intrusive and they sort of add to the experience. What, What they don't like is the kind of the stuff that goes around it, which is fascinating. Yeah, no, it's huge. And I think what we're seeing more and more of is like, you know, younger age groups are Mm. a lot savvier around this, right? So when they're downloading ad-funded OTT platforms, they're willing to Mm. take the ads because they're getting wonderful content. So they're automatically knowing that, okay, I'll take that advertising because I know I'll be able to access some great content. Mm. And I think from that age group, that filters down to the online world as well and to the digital world. And I think we'll see a lot of that in the younger generations of people really adopting UID and understanding the the reasons why we're doing it. So I think it's really important. It's really interesting as well. It's interesting that you said about Trade Desk aren't monetizing it. And you've done it for the industry, the codes are on GitHub. This is fairly significant time, resource on the trade desk part. Why have you done that? I guess if it's not, you know, there isn't a monetization angle for you. Why commit all that stuff? Yeah, I think fundamentally is because the trade desk is all about the open internet, right? And I think that's where Jeff, as a person, truly mm. believes that the internet should be open and enjoyed and free for everyone, right? So he is very passionate about that. And I think that's driven, you know, his desire to create better identity solutions and we feel that uid 2.0 will be a big part of that fabric we don't feel it's going to be the only solution and that's why we've made it interoperable so it can work with all other solutions including anything that google launches right because we've been working hand in glove with google but i think it's about us as a business understanding that you know we spent 11 years to try and make advertising across the open internet better right for consumers and i think that is what's empowered us as an organization to really keep pushing uid and it's not exclusive to the trade desk it's not built for the benefit of our company it's an open framework as you know it's built in collaboration with all industry 
association and partners. And I think we all want to continue to have a thriving open internet and this can be a big part of that. Yeah. Well, I guess coming to the IB, you know, before at the IB, the penny didn't really drop for me, but the sort of the collaboration bit, the the only way we really change things is by, you know, as you say, working with Google, working with, you know, what effectively are your competitors as well, other ad tech businesses. Really, that is the only way that you change stuff. And we just can't have a world where there's 20 different ID solutions, none of which work together. Because I don't think anyone wins. Publishers kind of don't win. People don't win. So, I mean, it's sort of a fascinating thing, though, isn't it? Of all these different competitors effectively coming together to do something for the good of the industry. Extremely important as well. Otherwise, James, we go back to that confusion piece again with consumers. Mm. If we make this into a competitive revenue driving initiative, it's not going to be successful because we want to make it very clear to consumers that they are back in control. And this is why we're doing it. And Mm. this is why it's important. If it starts becoming too convoluted and Mm. competitive, you create that negativity around it and then that confusion with the consumers and then it doesn't work. So I think that's been hugely important for identity. It's obviously UID... 2.0 which says to me 1.0 exists already how is it different uid 1.0 was built long before my time at the trade desk and it was built around cookies Mm. and stuff like that so we've always been on this path around identity as a business it's always been important that we knew cookies were not made for what they're being used for Mm. right and fundamentally marketeers have built stuff on top of cookies and you know google are kind of pulling that car that rugger from under their feet a little bit but cookies have never been used properly or so so they've been used for things that they shouldn't be used for so as a business we've always known that and said look we need to create a better identity solution so uid 2.0 is just the next iteration of that and how we create an identity solution without cookies that works across all digital solutions right so it works across mobile it works across connected mm. television so from a marketeer's perspective it creates insight that they would never have had in the cookie world right so they can start creating personas and understanding consumers journey across all of the platforms now and have a great insight and be able to really you know i think that everyone always wants that deliver a great advertising experience across all channels 100%. which has been extremely difficult with cookies because they're not on mobile, they're not in connected yeah. television. With UID, that dream can start becoming reality for advertisers. It sort of feels so simple when you put it like that, doesn't it? But you're right. We always sort of use what we've had before, whatever goes before it, we try and use. So even in yeah. mobile, although we couldn't do a cookie, we did something that sort of looked and felt like a cookie, but then sort of worked out that we couldn't do things in between. It sounds like then you guys were already thinking about this sort of stuff. So had Google not given notice on third-party cookies, it sounds like this kind of thing was being thought about anyway. Maybe the Google deprecating third-party cookies has maybe pushed things along a bit quicker, perhaps. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's a fair comment. I think, you know, if you look at other web browsers, cookies are already long gone, right? So it's something we've been thinking about as a business. It's something as an industry we needed to think about, as I've said, like identity so important to create that story so yeah i think with google's decision and you know to be fair who knows right they've said yeah yeah it's going to happen but they've already extended it once so let's see what happens but i think you know extremely important because although you know uid is going to work across the open internet and it can create a great experience we also need to think about wall gardens and, and what that brings to the party and how you know that creates some challenges around identity and having 
you know, a full view across all platforms when you have wall gardens, etc. It's something we're very passionate about and something we continue to push forward with. So extremely important. And on it being extremely important, and you mentioned the fact that the date has been pushed back again. We knew this was going to happen in 2022. Everyone started to gear up for it. And it reminded me a bit around GDPR. You know, people started appointing data offices. And then the date gets moved. And I feel like maybe it's slipping down the agenda a little bit, particularly with advertisers. What's your sense on sort of state of readiness now? Is it that just everyone's a bit more short term? It's like, okay, we've got a little bit of grace on this, but it's still important to get things in place. And if you're not thinking about life beyond cookies and you're putting that on the back burner you probably need to think slightly differently. It's a great point and something we immediately picked up on because we don't want advertisers and publishers to get to think, oh, because it's been delayed, we can kind of, you know, not worry about that so far. So we've been very vocal with our partners, both on the publisher side and the advertiser side around, look, let's continue the conversations. You know, let's make sure you're thinking about identity beyond the cookie and let's, look at your solutions let's look at some of the stuff we're talking around about uid and other solutions in market Mm. let's continue that conversation let's continue asking questions because we didn't want it to fall off the agenda like you said you know oh we've got another two years we don't need to worry about it and we didn't want that to happen because i think it's too important for that and again we shouldn't be letting cookies dictate the identity conversation because that's not what they are there for and what we're trying to create is an open currency that works and is interoperable with other currencies. So that conversations need to continue whatever happens. So we've just been pushing that agenda and we will continue to do that. Cause, yeah. And a lot of brands and, and publishers are very open and yeah. Yeah, yeah. really want to know more about what's happening with not just with Unified ID, but with you know the identity space as a whole. So it's been an interesting probably six to 12 months around that. And will continue to be, no doubt. Privacy and personalisation are probably two of the things that conflated the most in the, can you, is there a world that exists where you can have both? I mean, it's a very leading question because I think obviously there is, but I'd love to get your take on it. Everywhere I sort of read or look, this is getting debated that somehow personalisation is this awful thing that relies on using lots of data from users that they sort of haven't let you use. And once you take that out of it, you're going to have very sort of grey advertising model that we were probably using before we could do any of this stuff online where it's, you know, the sort of spray spray and pray. pray. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag spray and pray. What's your take on it? It's been really interesting that personalization and privacy topic is something we talk about a lot internally. And I think striking the balance between, you know, personalization and privacy is, is probably mm. the modern day marketer's yeah, biggest yeah. challenge, right? <laughs> Free content requires mm. relevant advertising. And I think I'll go back to my earlier comment as well, is like I think the better we do around showing the consumer that we're giving them the power back mm. and them truly understanding what personalization means to them. I think that creates uh, a lot of momentum there around personalization and privacy. Mm. But we, we all believe that privacy matters, and that's, again, we're putting consumers in the driving seat, right? giving them more control over data, but being very clear around the value yeah. for that data yeah. and what they're getting in exchange for participating in that. One of the biggest stats we did when we were looking at this is like some of the research we found is like 79% of Brits are worried about the collection and use of their data on the internet. But 
eight out of ten Brits, I think eighty percent stated they would like to better understand what data has been collected and more comfortable with that data being used for advertising. So yeah. I think we were, yeah, you know, yeah. one of the points we were talking about earlier. People are starting to understand the value exchange, yeah. but we need to be more clear about what data we're taking, how we're using it, and why it's so important for the open internet. And I think that's when you can, personalization and privacy becomes a a much easier conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. And I wonder if you ask that same number of people, what percentage of people would want to pay for and effectively an internet every time you search for something you pay every time you read an article you pay i'd imagine the majority upwards of 90 percent would say well i'm I'm okay with the status quo on how it is at the moment thanks i don't Mm -hmm. really want this bill at the end of the month of exactly when i start telling my friends as well you know with that article you read without advertising you're gonna have to pay for that you're gonna have to put your hand in your pocket i think that's when people start really understanding I need to find the source on this because I keep quoting it, but I read somewhere that the average UK person can only really handle 12 subscriptions. Any more than that, you start to take us out. So it's like, we, we're not built to live in this world where we could have 30 subscriptions for all the stuff that we do. It just sort of won't work. So we have to make this model sustainable. Well, I think I've got 12 <laughs> you know, connected TV subscriptions or something. <laughs> Like ridiculous! It's like, where's that show we want to watch? Which one's it on? Is oh. it on Disney Plus, Netflix, Amazon? I'm like, oh. we need an aggregator. So, like, there's a there's a space in the market for an aggregator of all these connected TV things. That wouldn't that be incredible? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's live yeah. in the US, Canada, I think APAC as well. When 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 can we yeah. expect 2.0 here? So yeah, it's gone live in the US. It's just recently gone live in Canada, and we're live in Australia. Mm-hmm. as well and a couple of other markets in APEC. Right here we're aiming to launch um, the beta for UID 2.0 across EMEA in uh, Q1 of 2022. The reason why it's been slower here is everyone can probably guess why and you know it's important that it is is that GDPR has yeah, slowed us course. down here. We are completely focused on making sure we can bring UID 2.0 to, to our shores and Jeff was just over recently actually and it was top of our agenda when we were meeting is like you know we've got to make this happen so he's working very hard around that because you know it's extremely like the scale we're seeing is very powerful like Mm. so in the us alone we're on now 247 million users of uid 2.0 so Mm. we've been able to scale that up extremely quickly Mm. and that is month on month we're increasing our users of uid so we're actually creating a very scalable product now that our advertisers can start using UID in the US, and they are, and they're, you know, we're learning from that and iterating and building, etc. So it's exciting times, and I can't wait to get it off the ground. I never mind things launching in the US because they can be the guinea pigs to iron out all of the wrinkles, as they would put it, so that we get a lovely polished finish. It's always worth waiting for. Always worth exactly. waiting for the second one to come down the line. And lastly, I guess, I mean, talk a bit about in the patter around this contemporary digital marketplace, which I guess is this sort of incredible place. If we could create digital advertising tomorrow, we almost definitely, when we talked about it, we wouldn't create it as we have created it now which is sort of like built on slightly shaky foundations what would this contemporary digital marketplace in your mind look like what would some of its hallmarks be i think the biggest thing is openness and transparency Mm. right i think i can't emphasize that enough it just matters so much 
when you have an open marketplace that's fueling the open internet outside of the wall garden, it leads to media that is responsible, data driven, and centered again on the consumer and putting the consumer in control. Mm. And I think if we can compete in a healthy way like that, then consumers reap the benefits, yeah. which is extremely important because I think right now there's like two sides, right? There's some people trying to, I suppose, in a way, control the internet. And then there's others who are focusing on how we enable and grow the open internet. Mm. And for us, it's about the open internet, creating openness, transparency, and you know, build an online space that we can grow and create a force for good and, and just continue to be able to deliver wonderful content that everyone enjoys. Yeah, beautifully articulated. Thank you so much, Phil, for giving us some time. I, I mean, it, it is fascinating, but actually when you break it down, it's such a a straightforward, easy to understand concept. And when you sort of play it through and I, it's clear from the numbers that you talked about in the US, it's certainly making a difference with people and people understand it as well. So it's brilliant. But thank you again. It was brilliant to talk to you. No pleasure. Phil Duffield from the trade desk there. There's a brilliant strap line hidden in there when Phil talks about the path we should avoid taking with UID 2.0. It reads a bit like convoluted, Plus, competitive equals confusion. Three things perfectly illiterated. Just magic. I really like Phil. And as I said in the intro, he's just a straight talker. He's not actually that interested in making things more complicated than they need to be. And I think we could all probably be a bit more Phil from time to time. If this episode has left you hankering after more post-cookie goodness, you can find just that at ibuk.com forward slash user hyphen identity. There's FAQs, there's webinars on catch up that you can watch and a whole section dedicated to what other members are doing too. See you soon in person, I hope, but thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.